This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First, it's free. How much better does it get? Second, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever your audience is tuning in, your podcast will be there. Fourth, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Look at us. We have less than 100 listeners per episode, yet we still make money on ads. Granted, it's not a lot, but we still make money. And finally, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. That's anchor, the thing you throw off your boat, .fm to get started. Welcome into another edition of the JMU Sports News Podcast. I am Bennett Conlin, joined by Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, how are you? I am fantastic. I just got notified that um, my CAA column will be going up Ooh. later tonight. I was expecting it to go up today, and I was I was getting ready to have my mentions filled with hate because I made a couple interesting decisions on that thing. If you guys read it last week, it was pretty uh, not too crazy. But this week, I, I kind of went out on a limb. I like it. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah, I won't say what the limb was, but uh, read it, and people will surely be mad at it. Nice. you love to see that. <laughs> we have a lot today. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you got into that, because I, was, I, was, I didn't know how to... to segue man i can't think right now it's going to be good the rest of this is going to be chock full we're going to hit some quick football because they didn't play last week and we don't have brian shore this week unfortunately caa pick them we both had terrible weeks and then we were texting last night at all about basketball and we have some hot takes specifically for men's women's we know is good but we're going to talk a little bit about women's and then we're going to wrap it up with some olympic sports talk some awards were handed out field hockey has a caa tournament game and volleyball, um, I'm going to be honest, I haven't looked up volleyball. So uh, we'll know when we get there. How about that? We will. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. So I guess let's start with football. Uh, didn't play. The selection committee released their their seeds or whatever they would have now. Uh, JMU was two. New Hampshire was 10, which I thought was yeah. didn't make any sense. But It didn't make a lot of sense. But what a lot of people were saying is after seven, it's very subjective. I don't know how much I agree with that because I feel like New Hampshire can't jump up 13, 13 spots and they have a couple of bad losses and not very many good wins. So I have a crazy very hard time. 
having any team who is worst in their conference in points per game as a top 10 team nationally. But so they're my, second in allowed. Hey, they're very good defensively. <laughs> but I've got some big-time doubts. If you're – I mean, the fact that they can't score more than, you know, like a Rhode Island or Maine or any of these, like, teams that have really struggled this year is a bit alarming to me. And, and to say someone's a top 10 team when – I mean, they have a very good defense, but I think it's a solid defense rather than a than an elite defense. Yeah, it's not a JMU North Dakota State defense. Right, right. It's the not a transcendent insane, defense. Though. Their secondary yeah. is nuts. That's what I've been seeing because normally when I think of a good defense, I think of a really good front seven, mm-hmm. not a great back four. Yeah. Math was hard there. But the <laughs> fact that they have a great back four that makes their front seven good is just kind of – it seems almost counterintuitive. And I'm really excited for the game on Saturday to, to watch what I can because – Unfortunately, I'll be working during that time, but I'll try to sneak away in the back and catch a couple plays here and there. What? I thought it was early. But I, I wanted to know. say three thirty because I thought that's what uh, Kurt Signet tweeted. I want to say three thirty. Sounds right. Let me see. I'm scrolling. Oh, I saw I'm on basketball. You are correct. You are correct. Okay. Yeah, three thirty kickoff. A Surprising nice. top ten matchup and the game sponsors Glow Fiber, whatever that is. Huge, <laughs> yeah. So that'll it's a big one. It's interesting. Danucci's got to be on his game in this one against the secondary. They've allowed only four touchdown passes all year. Wow, I didn't see that. All I saw is they were allowing sixteen point six points per game. The second best mark of like fewest touchdown passes allowed is thirteen in the conference. Wow, Just to get perspective on how insane they've been. Four touchdowns allowed, 13 interceptions. And they're playing at a crazy level in the secondary. So I think JMU, this is one of those games where I would probably rely on the run a little bit more and, and make sure you're giving Danucci easy throws that he can he can make. Yeah, you don't have to last. tell uh, Signetti that twice. <laughs> right. I'm sure they're they're stoked about <laughs> this game where it sort of makes sense to run the ball more. Um, it's a big one, though. It is a big one. And then they've got Richmond the following week, which is also – an important game, or at least it's looking like it has the potential to be a very important game. So that's exciting to see. Yeah, that's a surprising important game. Who would have thought mm-hmm. that Richmond would be in contention for the CAA title this season? Insane. With what, Joe Mancuso as their quarterback? <laughs> yeah. You go from Kyle Lauletta to Joe Mancuso. What a what a last name switch. What a switch. That's He's my, uh, it. That's my analysis. It. He's playing decently. They've got an okay offense. I don't think their defense is anything anything too special yeah they're going through their teeth this is this this the last week to the end of the season is their tough stretch in the caa their beginning of this their schedule in the caa was kind of easy but now what villanova last no stony brook last week i don't know who they played this week jmu next week they have a tough tough way if they can finish with two caa losses three caa losses that's a solid season for them for sure for sure so I guess we won't get too much into the matchup because we've got a round table coming. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think we, we kind of hit it on a little bit. Like New Hampshire is a very good defensive team, not a great offensive team. And I think we're going to have so much football content the next few weeks with the season progressing. You've got the Richmond game, the New Hampshire recap, that sort of stuff. The playoffs, we're going to be very, very heavy on yeah. football. So it's a, it's a good time to get into basketball. But before we do that, what are your thoughts on the um, – let me put this in the roundtable, but what are your thoughts on 
the idea that Weber State, if they went out, they Terrible. could potentially earn oh my the gosh. two seed. Oh my gosh. That's been upsetting me so much because I think who maybe Jamie Williams put it on FCS Fans Nation. We're like, all fans are doing right now are focusing on strength of schedules, which is completely fair. Weber State is what, seven and two with their two losses being FBS games, and I'm pretty sure close losses in those FBS games. And they've they've destroyed the FCS and they had what the number one toughest strength of schedule like that's all very true. But if you also look at it from a statistical standpoint, JMU is head and shoulders better than them in terms of running the ball, passing the ball, defending the run, defending the pass like JMU is a statistically better team. And that may be because they're playing a quote unquote softer schedule. But at the same time, you can't sit back and tell me. JMU's strength of schedule really isn't as good. It, I don't know how to word this. They're playing in the CAA. Like every game is hard. And we saw that last week when it seemed like teams that should have won and teams that are out of the playoffs are still giving teams in the playoffs a run for it. If Weber State wins out and JMU wins out, JMU's the two seed, Weber State's the three seed, and you can't tell me otherwise. Yeah, I mean, I was listening to some people who said that, you know, uh, Weber State would have a clearly better resume, and I don't. I just don't really agree. Yeah, that, um, uh, like the Sacramento State <laughs> win on the road was pretty solid, like a 19 point win over a really good Sacramento State team. And then if they if they do win out, it means they'll also have a win at Montana. They'll have a win at UC Davis. I mean, like they'll have some really good wins. They've beaten Northern Iowa, things like that. It's a good football team, a really good football team. But I think people sort of are very quick to dismiss JMU's wins because some of the teams aren't as highly ranked now, but you look at it like when they played, Elon was ranked. Obviously they're not as good. Stony Brook was ranked in that close loss. Villanova was top five. Towson was ranked last week. New Hampshire was ranked this week. I think like in the twenties in the polls and then in number 10 for the selection committee. Yeah. They're number 23 just, in the polls. I think there is something to be said for a team going into a game against JMU, like an important part of their season, yeah. getting beat up and losing and then fading off. Like, I don't think that should be a, a bad thing for JMU. I think part of it is like, Hey, when you play this team and you lose to them, it's probably, you take a physical beating. There's also a little bit of a mental blow knowing you had a chance to knock off a top two team. And they found a way to beat you sometimes dominate you. I think that should be, should be valued. Like, yeah. I just don't, I don't know. Like you look at Weber state, like, have they really done enough to surpass JMU has been at number two all season? Cause I do think if you have the Dukes at number two all year, you can't just be like, oh, well, now I looked at the resume and saw that I thought Weaver State was better. Like, they have to do something, in my opinion, to pass JMU, yeah. and I just – I don't know. And if you just rely solely on the strength of schedule, North Dakota State then isn't number one. Weaver State's number one. Like, why are we – like, to me, when you make that argument, you have to go full in. Like, when fans are sitting back and saying, well, Weaver State should be number two because their strength of schedule is better than JMU – well, Weber State's strength of schedule is better than North Dakota State. So are we saying Weber State should be number one? And no one's saying that. So once that argument doesn't occur, I kind of just – I think there's so much more to it. And fans understand that when you look at Weber State and North Dakota State. But I think the fact that JMU's been – they have a couple close games in there with the overtime win against Stony Brook and the close game against Villanova, I think fans are kind of like – FCS fans in particular kind of just sitting back like, oh, this isn't the JMU team we thought it was going to be. Weber State has proved to be, quote-unquote, better in a tougher schedule. Right. I mean, it's just 
I don't know, at least my opinion, I think there's more to it. And I yeah. feel like people have been really quick to be like, yeah, well, of course Weaver State would go ahead. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's Well, and it's funny because if you told fans this at the beginning of the season, like if you said, okay, JMU at the end of the season is going to be 11-1, and Weaver State's going to be 10-2, and Weaver State's strength of schedule, I don't know. I think it's like one. It's in the top five. I know that. They have the top five strength of schedule. JMU's yeah. strength of schedule is mid-tier. Who is number two? And I think fans far and away would say JMU. Right. I mean, I think that's what's just kind of weird about it. And I'm not trying to discredit what Weaver State has done. No, yeah, not at all. was really surprised at some of the stuff I had heard where people were like, oh, well, of course, Weaver State would be number two. And I, I hadn't followed their resume too much. And then I started looking into it. And I was like, it's a pretty strong resume. Like, I'm not going to make that argument. But I also think people are very quick to discredit what JMU has done this year in terms of the strength of schedule, in terms of some of those victories and, and how they've looked. I mean, I don't know. I think perspective and context is also very important. Like the Stony Brook close game was on a, the third straight week on the road, yeah. right? Where they're playing some pretty good teams. They found a way to win and they win the next three. I mean, they're on an eight game winning streak. They're playing really well. They probably should have beaten West Virginia. I don't know. I mean, I just, <laughs> Like, if they play in a neutral field, I think Vegas has JMU as the favorite. Oh, 100%. Like I'd be surprised if Weaver State was the favorite. I just think that JMU, what they've done this year, how they've looked on both sides of the ball, some of the statistics you mentioned. And I saw some arguments that were like, well, you can't look at statistics because <laughs> Weaver State's played a harder strength of schedule. And it's like, I get that point. I very much get the idea that, like, of course, their stats are worse. But they're dramatically worse. But it's also, in like... In many areas. But, the, like... What my biggest problem with that is technically Weber State has a stronger strength of schedule than North Dakota State, but we're not making the comparison from Weber to jump jump from third to first. Like I would say North Dakota State's on like a different planet though. That's true. And I guess that's why fans just don't touch it. But yeah, they're dramatic the stats are dramatically worse. And you have to look at stats because strength of schedule doesn't tell you the full story. Like stats doesn't tell you the full story. Right. Now, I do think it would be very interesting if North Dakota State had played an FBS team and lost and they had, like, just the one blemish on the resume, then I think it would be very interesting because all these teams are undefeated against FCS foes. Yeah. But with North Dakota State not having an FBS team this year, it almost seems like they're more mystical or mythical or whatever you want. <laughs> you know, they're just, like, a, a different level compared to all these teams. But they've also beaten the living crap out of everyone. So yeah. I don't really have any, any complaints with that. But you're right, like, if we're going to, you know, really focus in on strength of schedule, first of all, why now? Like, <laughs> I guess is it the Sacramento what, State win? Why didn't we rank it? Why didn't – my problem with strength of schedule, I think it's just a part – I think it's a chapter in a full series of novels. Like, the Harry Potter novel, it is chapter two in the Goblet of Fire, strength of schedule, you know? Like – it helps tell the grand story, but it doesn't, you can't read chapter two out of Goblet of Fire and know what the entire story is about. And, oh man, that was such a good analogy and I lost my train of thought. <laughs> man. Oh, at the beginning of the season, when you're doing preseason rankings, why don't you like rank off of strength of schedule alone? You don't, because you rank off of projections and talent and, uh, it's just confusing to me because, I don't know, I haven't noticed a major difference in terms of, like, 
I I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid and like don't know enough. Northern Iowa, that win is very, 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 very good. Yeah. And the Sacramento State win is very, 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 very good. At Sacramento State, too. So like, yeah. Yeah. Two really good wins. And they've also got the UC Davis win, which was a 16-point win. So, I mean, they've got some impressive wins on this on this resume. There's no doubt about it. But are we going to act like a 14-point win over Villanova with a 21 to nothing fourth quarter isn't impressive or like a road win at Stony Brook or beating Towson by 17 and shutting down Flacco? Or the Elon – I know the – Yeah, 35-point yeah, road win at Elon. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm making too much of it. I was just surprised, I guess, at how many people – had basically said, yeah, if we're going strictly resume, <laughs> it's Weber. And I was like, it's closer than than that, isn't it? Maybe, I don't know exactly where the strength of schedule metric is or what it's coming up with. And maybe some of these CAA teams are, are higher in my mind than the metrics. Um, but yeah, I mean, especially the next few weeks, too. You look at Weber State, who do they have the rest of the way? They've got North Dakota, solid, like top 25-ish team, Montana, Solid team on the road. So if they do get those two, that'd be, that'd be very good. But then also you look at JMU, who's got New Hampshire and Richmond, who are both playoff caliber teams right now. Yeah. Four and one in the conference. New Hampshire is number 10 in the eyes of the committee. If you beat them and Richmond and then spank Rhode Island, I mean, they're 11 and 0 with how many single digit wins do they have this year? One. It was only Stony Brook. Everything else has been a, yep. a double digit victory, right? Yep. At least 14 points. I don't know. Like, why are we not looking at margin of victory then? These are great questions. And I, I mean, I, like, I, Weaver, <laughs> Weaver State's got a pretty good margin of victory, too. But they've also – why don't we talk about why they only beat Idaho by six? Like, if you go – I don't know. I, just, gonna, I think it's a yeah. little bit ridiculous when you get, like, this this picky for things just because Weaver State beat Sacramento State on the road. And I still very much have my doubts about teams like Sacramento State that come out of nowhere and have one good season. And people are like, what a huge win. Like, what if Sacramento State rips off, like, two straight losses? Well, like, yeah, like, with, States with Villanova. And then the, like, like yeah. Villanova, that was a huge win for JMU. Now, what have they done? Lost their last three, and all of a sudden, people are writing off the Villanova win. Like, it's nothing. I still think Villanova is one of the better teams in the country. And it's not like Villanova's losing to scrubs. No, what? New Hampshire this, this last New week. New Hampshire, and then what was the other one? It was Stony Brook. Stony Brook, yeah. And JMU the week before that. In all close, no, the week before that. The week before. I don't know. Uh, two weeks, I think. They yeah, had yeah they had a buy. But, yeah, they're not losing to Delaware and Rhode Island and Maine in these three games. They've lost to the top of the CAA. Right, and you look at – they've got Richmond this week where maybe they lose that one and it's four in a row, but then they've got, like, Long Island, who I think is the new team in the FCS. You, you probably win that one. I'll give you seven. And I think they close the year with Delaware at home, which pretty good chance to go eight and four, nine and three. They're a playoff team. They're probably not a seed at this point, but they're a good playoff team. I wouldn't want and to lose them these, in the first round. Right. You've got all these like fringe playoff teams that JMU's beating by double digits. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm crazy, but you also look at JMU on the field. You look at how Rashad Robinson is healthy in the secondary is playing better. The defensive line is dominant. The offensive line is great. Running backs are loaded. Danucci's playing at a high level. If they're the three seed, I think that's wrong. Like yeah. it, assuming both teams like went out. But, he, but granted, a two or three seed in my mind isn't that bad. Um, no, but it's, I think it's a, when three, you, a three definitely hurts you. Yeah, because you're right, because I wouldn't want to, as JMU, I wouldn't want to travel to Weber State. I want them to come to Bridgeforth again. That's the other thing, too, is it's not like a battle between the two and three between, like, JMU and, I don't know, 
like a, a fellow CA team maybe, or like Richmond where it's a quick trip, like going all the way out to Ogden would, would certainly be a challenge. Yeah. Can't imagine too many JMU fans are making that trip. It's hard on the team. I think the semifinals are on December 21st. So it's like even pushing up on like, you want that game at home pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I guess we did more of a football rant than I expected. Well, that was just a really good question that I didn't even think about, but that leads us perfectly into, as we're talking about the greatness of the CAA, <laughs> yeah. we have to now jump into our CAA pick em. We had bad weeks last week, the both of us. I didn't realize it was that bad. We both went one and four. Oh, but he got killed. <laughs> so I'm 13 and eight. What did I get right? You got... Um, Oh, I only got Richmond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, good lord. Am I am I still above five hundred? Yep, by one game. Sixteen and fifteen. All right. <laughs> yeah, you're sixteen and fifteen. I'm thirteen and eighteen. Slipping more Gosh. into the abyss. Did you get week. one? I got a uh, Towson. No. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got Towson. Because you were like, this is the week Delaware. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, they were close. Lost by seven. Fourth and four. Only got three yards at the ten yard line late in the game. They had chances. Yeah, they did. But now you know who else has chances? Oh, wow. We have a full slate of conference games. This is my Finally. favorite time of year. We haven't had this all year. It's time for this week's Weekly Pick'em. All right, so we pick them time. We got Albany. They travel to Delaware. Game can be seen on flowfootball.com. Who do you got? Both teams, I feel like, are like fringe playoff or basically just out at this point. Yeah, check out my so Hero like Sports.com to see uh, what I, I feel think. like. I feel like motivation will be dwindling. That is pretty much over, in my opinion, or close to it. Um,. Albany losing to Maine and giving up that many points is kind of alarming. I thought Delaware was fairly competitive against Towson, but they tend to alternate good games and bad games at a pretty high level. Um, I'll just take Delaware just because they're at home. Okay. I'm going to pick Albany. Um, I project Delaware to lose the rest of their games. I, oh, well. I, I think they got cold and... I think Albany's a really good team. Jeff Undercuffler liked my tweet. Um, <laughs> we're on a roll, so I think Albany. What was that tweet? What was it? Yeah. Um, one second. Let me awkwardly stall here. It was a tweet from Brian McGoughlin. There we go. And I think it was about um, like rookies, like best freshmen in the FCS. Oh. No, and then you said your vote was for the undercover. It was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, the jury rights award for the FCS top freshman player. And I said, the undercuffler gets my vote if I had one. And then some guy responded with just a five and four team. <laughs> what did he say? A five and four team. Who said that? <laughs> some random guy, the grain cart guy. Oh, yikes. So he was roasting the undercuffler. Yeah, and I'm like, I was like, yeah, they are five. And, like, I, I didn't know how to respond, so I just left. Oh, he said like a good thing. No, I have no idea. He literally just typed a five and fourteen. 
that's weird. I didn't know how to respond, so I didn't. Yeah. So yeah, I got Albany winning that because of uh, okay because of the undercuff. Like, next up, we got Rhode Island traveling to William and Mary. William and Mary, a team you were really high on at one point. Rhode Island, a fall from grace after last season. Who do you got? It's tough because Elon just played both these teams. They beat Rhode Island on the road by 25 and lost at home by two to William Mary. So that makes you think William Mary is the obvious pick. But <laughs> you can't do the transitive property in the CAA. <laughs> but Rhode Island is a proud program, a very proud program. Are As they? we know, they have a, they have a historic football <laughs> program. And they haven't won a conference game, right? You tell me. No, they haven't. They just won their first, their second game of the season against Merrimack College. Yeah, they just College. beat the living crap out of Merrimack College, which is big. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to say Rhode Island wins. Wow. I think they're terrible, but I'm just going to pick them. Really? I'm going to pick William & Mary for the reason that it's William & Mary is home, and I think William & Mary is a good team. I just think they're not that good. You know? So they're mediocre. <laughs> yeah, and but Rhode Island's just bad. That brings us well, to Richmond going to Villanova, rolling through the CA pick'em. What do you got? Richmond's been on a tear. Yeah, they have. They're, a, they're playing well. I mean, they should be on a a big-time streak here, but they um, choked against Yale. You remember back. that? Jeez, that was a bad choke, too. But they're rolling right now. Villanova's on a three-game losing streak. They're reeling a bit. They need this game. Big time, although if they lose, I think they'll win the next year to make playoffs. Anyway, so, <laughs> so do they really need it big time? I'm going to say that Richmond goes into Villanova and pulls the upset. Yeah, I think Richmond wins this game as well. Um, Richmond is fighting for their playoff lives every week from here on out. I think they can they can lose one game. I This is my projection. I think they can lose more game this season, and I think they're going to lose it against JMU. I think Villanova... Doesn't need this win as much as Richmond does, and Richmond's been on a tear, and they're kind of a good team. So I side with you, and uh, the Spiders get it done. Maine, they go to Elon, bottom feeders of the CAA this season. Who do you got? Maine has played decently the last couple weeks, so I think they've found a little something offensively. Elon's inconsistent. They're not great on defense. I think Maine goes in there and pulls the upset. If, I don't even know if that's an upset. <laughs> I, I think it technically is. Um, you know, Elon, I'm going to, so you got Maine. I'm going to go Elon. And that's okay. not to be contrarian. That's just because I think Elon's a better team. I feel like I'm on pace to go 0-4. <laughs> oh, I hope. I'm staying with, I'm staying uh, with these picks. Uh, Towson goes to Stony Brook. Um, who do you got? I love Stony Brook's offense against Towson's defense. I think they'll score a lot of points. This is kind of a must-win for both teams, but I think Stony Brook at home. The Seawolves are going to find a way to gut this one out and get a win. Yeah, I love me. Give me all Tyquell Fields you can. I love what yeah. he does. I love his magic. I love the Stony Brook offense. The, seeing firsthand how bad the Towson defense secondary is, Tyquell Fields is actually going to have himself a day. Stony Brook wins this easily. Two touchdowns probably. <laughs> It's a great quarterback matchup, Flacco, Fields. Yeah, it really is. But I think Stony Brook has – actually, Stony Brook doesn't have that great of a defense. Neither team has a good defense. This is going to be an, a shootout. If you're in the Stony Brook area, <laughs> check this out. 
it's going to be on SNY on TV. Flip to it. That. Yeah, flip to it real quick because I really do think if you like offense, now that I'm really sitting down and looking at these two teams, not good defense on either side. Dynamic and prolific offenses, specifically quarterbacks, with both having great receivers at their disposal. This is going to be a fun game. Yeah, it should be. It should be a really fun one. I'm looking forward to that. And the nightcap kicking off at 3.30, the late game in CAA play. New Hampshire, <laughs> JMU. Who do you got? Dukes win. I forgot to put a prediction in the roundtable. Dukes win at home. Feel good about it. I just don't think New Hampshire's going to be able to score much. Yeah. I think JMU will have probably five sacks, ten tackles for loss on the game. New Hampshire won't be able to move the ball and – I think JMU's going to eat them up from the inside out. I don't think they're going to pass much. I think we'll see probably 50 runs and 15 passes. Things going to be one of I those like that idea. I like that balance. Yeah, JMU wins this. Two touchdowns. Stamp it. If I, get, if I go perfect this week, which neither one of us has done all season, I... That's why our records are so <laughs> I will take the lead. <laughs> Well, and good news, neither one of us have gone over. We've, we haven't gone perfect, and we haven't gone overs. We've been close to over. Yeah, we were this last week. We both were one and four. <laughs> we're, we're much closer <laughs> to overs than we are. So who did I, I pick? Delaware, Rhode Island, <laughs> Richmond, Maine, Stony Brook. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I have it written down, too. I'll probably throw this piece cool. of paper out, though, and have to re-listen to this portion to uh, – <laughs> That's what I did last week. Okay. Now for the fun stuff. Yes, let's get into it. All right, you want to – Men's basketball first? Yeah, men's basketball first. Because men's basketball is going to eat up a little bit more time. You you, – We have more take. You posed the question here to start because I don't know where we want to start on this. I put a lot (laughs) down. I don't know if you want to put a wild card. Where do you want to start on men's basketball? Let's start with a little – all right, let's see if we can tie in some of the takes to the Charlotte game, I guess. Yeah. So I have a few takes, but let's start. Zach Jacobs scored 15 points in this game, six rebounds. He's supposed to have taken a big leap forward. How important do you think Zach Jacobs can be to this team, and do you think he's somebody that the Dukes can realistically rely on? So I'm not the biggest Zach Jacobs fan. I – I trust that he's taken major leaps forward, but he seems to be – oops, I accidentally kicked something. He seems to be a touch undersized, which, yeah, that's the way mid-majors go, but he also just seems to be a touch slow on rotations in the post. He just doesn't seem to be quick with it. He's good on offense. He can knock down a three. He can stretch it as a big man. That's awesome to have. But I think when Dwight Wilson comes back, Zach Jacobs will be a great sixth man kind of off the bench to provide that needed jolt of offense. But I think he's almost a defensive liability. I disagree. We have a lot of takes this time where we disagree, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. Exciting. I really like him on the defensive end. Really? I think, he led, I think he led the team in blocks last year, if I'm not mistaken. He had two in this opening game. He rebounds the ball pretty well. I think – defensively it's just not a great team overall but i think that he actually adds a little bit of an element just in terms of rebounding he's not a prototypical post guy i will say that so he doesn't necessarily strike me as a normal 
a power forward. He seems more like a three who's playing the four. Yeah. Um, but I think he rebounds well. He can block shots, which I think for them is, is huge. And I think that the fact that he's basically a three playing the four won't really hurt them in conference play. And that's where I think that he won't necessarily be a defensive liability. If they're going up like against Virginia, I think everybody, I think everybody <laughs> on this team is a defensive liability. But I don't, I don't know that he is really a sore thumb. And then the fact that he can shoot threes now and score offensively is huge. I think he's actually going to be a weirdly important player for this team because a year or two ago, he didn't do a whole lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's a credit to him for whatever, you know, the work he put in over the off season. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see him play. I think he, I think he's got something there. I want him to prove me wrong. And I realize all the stats don't back me up and I'm doing it solely on the eye test. I just know last night I was watching the game and it seemed like over and over again, Charlotte was finding this seam in the lane and Zach Jacobs every time was slow to rotate. I don't know if he was covering for Christmas or if he was just completely slow to rotate. And that's what really just scares me, seeing that seam continuously open and just him not being a step ahead. When I feel like seeing it all night, you should be a step ahead on that. But I see what you say. Wow, statistically – He's solid. Statistically, he'll, he'll fill up some numbers, but I think eye test-wise, for my eyes, there's still some work to be done. But I'd love for him to prove me wrong. I'd absolutely love it. And to your point, I do think he does or will be a stronger defensive player with Wilson in the game, if they're both in the game together. That's, Wilson yeah. sort of fills that, like, clogging role yeah. in the paint. And I think that'll allow Jacobs maybe to play a little more outside of the paint, which he'll probably be more comfortable doing. Yeah. That's a take. We talked about Michael Christmas. What do we think about the star freshman? He didn't shoot a lot, but I think he was three for four in his in his debut. Scored nine points, six rebounds. What do we think he can be? I guess how good can he be in his career? And then what will he have this season? So this season, I feel like a lot of the offense is already going to be eaten up with Matt Lewis, Darius Banks. We said it was Zach Jacobs. He'll be an offensive piece. Dwight Wilson's going to be a solid down low offensive piece. Um, so that's kind of – the offense is almost decided for itself, you know? And so I don't think mm-hmm. we'll necessarily see him get a lot of shots. I think between the four – he got four shots last night. Um, that I, I assume that'll be roughly around what type of shots he's going to get. Um, but I think he'll develop into a really good player. My projected five-man lineup when this team is, is healthy, it's going to be Matt at the uh, – it's going to be Parker at the one, Matt at the two, Darius at the three, Christmas at the four, Wilson at the five, and Jacobs as the sixth man. Um, I, think, I think Christmas will provide a lot of great minutes and be a good defensive guy and hit some shots when needed. But I forgot about Parker. He was fantastic last night. He's another offensive centerpiece. But, yeah, I just don't think offensively there's a lot of room for him to get his shots up in a game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. I think that I wouldn't be surprised to see them use Christmas as the sixth man. I think that'll be, be the question whether they do Christmas or Jacobs. And I do think that might change as the season goes yeah, on. Yeah, who gets the develops. hot hand into yeah, – Yeah, for sure. But I think that'll be interesting because I think both those guys could be really capable six men. They're both solid. I think Christmas is going to have a great JMU career. And like you were saying, this year is probably not going to be his main scoring year. I think he's going to be one of those players that averages like five to seven points his freshman year and then takes a leap above double digits his sophomore year and stays above double digits 
until he graduates. I think there's a good good chance for that, even with players like Lewis and Banks and and really everyone returning yeah. next season. I still think Jacobs is going to – I mean, Christmas, excuse me, is going to be able to take a scoring leap just as he, as he develops. So I'm interested to see how that goes. And here's a take. I think Deshaun Parker, he might be the best player on the team. I'm so glad you brought up that take because – Yes, he's so good. Also, I have another take about Darius Banks. Don't let me forget it. Um, Deshaun Parker is fantastic. Like, Matt's really good, and Matt is yeah. an offensive star. But I think Deshaun Parker's the most complete player. Yeah, I think Matt Lewis is probably the best, like, pure scorer on the team. But you look at Parker's three-point shot, it's pretty solid. He's able to get to the rim and do good things. I mean, I like his jumper. He had seven rebounds, six assists, 17 points. He's a great passer. And the thing that stands out the most is that he, his assist-to-turnover ratio is always good. It was He's so smart. good last season. Yep, it was two to one last night, six assists, three turnovers. He can get some steals. I just think what he can do in terms of shooting touch, ball handling, passing, I think it makes him a ridiculously valuable player for this team. And it makes Matt Lewis better because Matt Lewis doesn't have to be the primary ball yeah. handler all the time. And clutch. He, he hits big shots when it's needed. Yeah. He doesn't look like a sophomore. He Last year, he didn't look like a freshman. This year, he doesn't look like a sophomore out on the court. He looks like a, a, a senior or maybe even a fifth-year senior with the way he's poised, calling the offense, and getting his guys open shots. And like you said, it lightens the load for Matt so Matt doesn't have to dribble around the three-point line for five for five minutes until he can get an opening and drive. So Deshaun Parker is, I think the X factor and also the best X factor you'll find in the CAA. All right, let's move to your Darius Banks take. Not really a take. I realized as I was thinking this over, but he only had 18 minutes last night. Does that surprise you? I thought he'd be up there in the 30 minute uh, upper twenties. The two freshmen, Javis Harvey and Julian Wooden had more minutes than Darius. He had four fouls. So he got it. I didn't much... see that part. Thank you. Where yes, is that? That was because I was it's next to rebounds, which makes absolutely no sense to me. Oh, yep. Uh-huh. But uh, <laughs> no, I was watching part of the game and I was also like, why are they not playing banks? And then I saw the foul total and I was like, uh... well, I think it's... <laughs> this moves me into my other take, though. I was very impressed that they were able to win a game without Dwight Wilson with banks and foul trouble that they trailed by 12. I feel like that's a game they normally would have lost. Like, there's still a lot of concerns, but I think winning this game was actually pretty important. And they shot 12 of 28 from the free throw line. Which is just abysmal. Mind-boggling. <laughs> I don't, they had games last year where they would shoot like 35 free throws and go like 90% from the line. Yeah, they were good last year. And Matt Lewis was 50%, 7 of 14 from the line. 3 for Which 5. I think for, this is – Man, that's got to be a screw worst. It's almost a good sign just because Lewis is like an 80% career free throw shooter. I don't think this will continue. You look at, you know, all the guys missing to Sean Parker was over two Christmas was one for three. Uh, Zion Dobbs is over two. I mean, the team's not going to shoot under 50% from the free throw line, like ever again, <laughs> especially Lewis <laughs> shooting 50%. So I think the fact that they won it without Wilson they shot free throws horribly. They were down 12. Banks was in foul trouble, and they still found a way to win. I don't know. I, I want to pump the brakes a little bit because they beat Charlotte by five at home. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of potential with this year's team. 
Yeah, I'm going to pump the brakes hard, too, because last year they jumped out to a 4-0 start to the season, and I remember I was <laughs> like, I was very high because they, they won on a buzzer-beater against ECU, and they beat Charlotte and all of this great stuff. And I'm just going to pump the brakes because I saw a lot of bad last night, and I'm not – I am excited Let's about this season. Let's talk about the bad. But their free throw struggles were terrible. Their defense was abysmal defense, at points. Yeah. Like. So you get that you had when I turned on the game, I think there's 17 minutes left in the first half and they were up one. I literally blink and they're down 12 and they haven't hit a bucket in like seven minutes of game time. It was bad. Like their defense couldn't adjust in game, which worries me for later down. And that was, that's been a problem for this entire row era. And Another problem in the row era has been these long, long times of no points. Both of them showed their heads last night. They did overcome it by having a huge rally right before the the end of the first half, cutting it to one and then continuing that into the second half. But there are a lot of things that showed their head from all of the row era. And I'm not too high on this team. I think if it was a team that was – Slightly better than the 49ers from Charlotte. JMU loses that game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because I've got a couple things that sort of stand out to me when looking at this team. Uh, the defense is certainly one of them. I think they need to get better defensively. The The one positive there, I guess, if you want to look at like glass half full, is that they basically had a seven-man rotation because I adopt only played four minutes. And three of those players were freshmen, who I imagine will get better defensively just given reps in games against collegiate athletes. So I think that'll help a little bit defensively, but the one concern that I have, and I don't think this really changes with Dwight Wilson a whole lot. They play their guards so many minutes. Yeah. They played Matt Lewis and Deshaun Parker 38 minutes last night. That's I not just, good. I don't see how it's sustainable. And they did that a lot last year where they would play Lewis like, he averaged 36.3 minutes per game. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I just don't know how that'll work long-term. And that's where I do think they need somebody like Dobbs to kind of step up in the backcourt or even like Quinn Ritchie, who didn't even play in this game. Can they have a guy who can come in and just make it so Lewis plays under 35? Like there's gotta be a way. Same with Parker. Yeah. I don't know that it's sustainable because when you're a CAA team, the whole goal really, is to make it to the conference tournament healthy and playing well. Because you need to win those conference games to get the NCAA tournament, which is the main goal. Obviously, if you win the conference for the regular season, you get the automatic NIT berth, which for this team would be a pretty big deal. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to make the big dance. And to do that, you have to win the conference tournament because this team is certainly not getting in that large bid. And I don't think it makes any sense. I do think they have like a week off after the last game of the season, but I don't I don't know that it makes any sense to play them this many minutes. I know they're really important. I know they need to be on the court. But I think at some point you've got to get guys like Dobbs or someone else in there and just find ways to limit the minutes played of Lewis and Parker. Yeah, 38 minutes is is way too high. Like, yeah, and when you get into conference play where you're playing two games on, what, a Thursday, Saturday? Is that how conference goes? I think it's Thursday, Saturday, yeah. If you're doing that, like you, I just feel like you, you, yeah, so you just take down the tread on their tires to use that cliche so right. quickly. And all of a sudden they're sputtering at the end of the season. 
I think we kind of saw that with Stucky Mosley in his last two seasons. With Jamie, it just yeah. seemed like at the end of the year he was tired and he was missing shots he normally made and he wasn't as quick and, and all of this stuff. Because 38 minutes a night where you're running a couple miles on that court takes a toll right. on you quick. And looking at their roster, you said Quinn Ritchie, um, Anthony Picknard, Pinkard, um, just scrolling through. Some of these guys need to start either move around how they play because Javis Harvey's a guard. So maybe he was really in the spot of Darius, but just maybe even try different lineups. Go big to get him off the floor. When you get Dwight back, go Dwight Wilson, Zach Jacobs, Michael Christmas, and then you could kick guard off for a five-minute stretch, something. Right. They definitely might be able to more, be more creative once they get Wilson back. And I know, I know Flowers has been a little banged up to another forward. So that might help when they get them healthy. It's just, it's surprising to me. And, and I don't want to read too much into the one game, but I, I mean, it's been a trend under Rowe is that they play Matt Lewis and Deshaun Parker a lot of minutes. So I don't know. I think that that's something that they can continue to work on just because a fresh Matt Lewis is a very scary thought for opposing defenses. I think that's something Jamie should prioritize, especially in the non-conference because as crazy as it sounds like it, just doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. It just doesn't like, matter. It's all about getting prepared for conference play. Like at the end of the day, they're going to lose some non-conference games. They're also going to win some. Like the overall record is going to pale in comparison to the conference record. Like this team will be judged on what it does in the CAA this season. Yeah. So that's why I would use these games. And, and maybe the season opener is a little different because you really want to get off to a one-and-a-half start or something. But like I imagine Virginia is going to crush them. So if that happens, like you've got to get the freshmen in there just to give them minutes. Yeah just try new things out. And I know it's one game, so we don't really know what the entire philosophy is going to be. Like maybe we'll see better in game management as the season goes on with, with the other coaches, maybe starting to have a little bit more say with Josh Oppenheimer and mm-hmm. uh, who else? Ryan Cardock. See you as I'm scrolling through, I just know Josh Oppenheimer was the really big, he's the of, big addition. Yeah. So, Will we see more changes in game? Will we see more switch-ups of lineups? I don't know. All I know is Coach Rowe was his fun self in his post-game press conference. Big win. They, they did talk – one thing I saw that was interesting in the Breeze article, I didn't actually watch the press conference, is they talked about how, like, they were down 12 and Matt Lewis in the huddle was like, guys, like, we're all right. Let's just settle down, like Coach is saying. And then they, they did. So I think there is some maturity now yeah, and they, with these players. And said, this is a game we lost the last two years, the yeah. last three years, and we finally came out on the other side. And that's a really good point, but I'm also going to pump the brakes on that. You did it once. I'm, yeah. I'm putting almost no stock in the Virginia game. Um, I mean, if they find a way to be competitive or win, I think that's obviously going <laughs> to be win and be massive. Um, I also love that JMU still has Virginia as the number one in the country on their, on their page. Not what they're ranked, but that's okay. And then they play Shenandoah, which is irrelevant. It's like a, it's a win. It's a win. So, like, I'm not putting too much stock in that, into those because I think Virginia and Shenandoah are, like, complete opposites in terms of talent level. But I will. What do you mean, I'm a very three school and then reigning national champions? <laughs> <They're> <laughs> was opposite. That wasn't a hot take. What I will say, though, is I'm very interested, and I will make some judgment when they play at George Mason and then at Old Dominion. Yeah, those are, those are back-to-back games. games. Those are huge because those are decent teams, solid programs, sort of rivals. Um, George Mason's a rival. 
Braxton Key for Virginia last night, he said something. I was talking to him for the Daily Progress, and he said, um, I think <laughs> he, considered, he said Jamie was like an in-state rival or something. <laughs> and I was like, that is so nice of you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to find the exact quote. Oh, this. wow. You know what Jamie's current streak is right now? Win one. Again, no, I mean against UVA. Sorry, I didn't say that well. It's got to be a lot of losses. Um, they've never beat UVA. They're on a 10-game uh, losing streak dating Thanks. back to 1977. Wow. I mean, if they could be even – if they keep it within 20, I think that would be good. Yeah, they – yeah, uh-huh. Yep. I just don't know how they're <laughs> – Virginia is so stacked in the front court, and they're – Jamie's well, going to be without Wilson, and so they're going to be have like Zach Jacobs guarding Mamani Diakite, which sounds like it's going to go poorly. <laughs> and also, like I think as a JMU player, like I they sat at home and watched these guys on TV. Like I like you know what the basketball team was doing. They all gathered around and they were like, "Let's watch the national championship," and they watched Diakite and Hunter and the the senior classes all of course graduated. They watched Clark. I can't pronounce his first name. I'm sorry. Kihei. Yeah, Kihei Clark. They watched them all during March Madness last season, and now they're matching up with them. Is that? I, I really wish we had a player on so I could kind of ask: Is there a star element to it? But I don't know. There's got to be a little intimidation factor. It's the first game at JPJ since the national title. It's going to be a pretty crazy atmosphere too. And I actually, I think I'm probably wrong. I think Jacobs might have to guard. Jay Huff, who's 7-1, <laughs> because he's the center, and they won't have Wilson, so I don't – Michael Christmas might be I done. think Christmas was technically the five, so that's even funnier. A was freshman it? against the seven uh, – Well, it's like 6-6 six, six versus 7-1. Like, I mean, it's not – it's going to be very challenging because the they don't – We need to bring Alex Schultz back. <laughs> yeah, Jeez. exactly. He would – he would <laughs> Jay Huff, good Lord. But, no, I mean, it's going to be a really tough – tough game but i'm not putting too much stock into that or the shenandoah game i think after that we'll learn a little more and then they've got big rival coppin state <laughs> they beat in overtime last year coming to town 26 so yeah i mean i'm interested to see how that goes and, and maybe the rest of the non-conference a little bit i'm not gonna i don't know they have at radford and at fordham i'm interested to see if they respond at fordham because last year they got the living snot kicked out of them so we'll see if that's yeah, better. But then really, this this is just a team that will determine how good they are based on conference play. So um, the goal should just be to get experience and get reps, really, in non-conference. Yeah. So last two questions on men's basketball. I'm going to kind of loop them into one. Expectation. Oh, wow, my voice did not just crack right there. Wow. So your expectations for the season as a whole, um, they were voted, what, fourth in the CAA media preseason poll. So that, yeah. and then kind of also, how hot and how quick does Rose Seat get this season, if at all? I'd be very surprised, actually, if they move on from him um, after this year. I think they're going to be decent. I think they need to win at least 15 games. I guess that would be, what, like a one-win improvement? But I think they need at least 15. I think they sort of need to contend um, to push 20 wins. I know I was just talking about how the non-conference games don't matter if they win or lose. But I think the the total win of wins is important a little bit, um, but more so the conference total. I think if they can go above 500 in conference, that's really important. I think if they can finish in the top half of the CAA, that's very important. Um, and those are kind of my expectations. I think they should be a top half of the 
conference team. I think they should probably be nine and nine or better in the CAA. And I think even if they are getting young players experience, they should beat like Shenandoah. They have New Hampshire, Coppin State, and East Carolina at home, all very winnable. Then Radford, Charleston Southern, and Fordham to close it out. Aside from Virginia, they should have a chance to win every every non-conference game, even at ODU and at George Mason. I think they have a chance to be competitive in those games. So, yeah, I think they should probably push 20 wins. I think they should have nine or more conference wins. And um, I think if they do that, which I think they'll they'll get close to, I don't think there's any chance they move on from Roe, um, considering the return pretty much everybody next year. Yeah, so I think they're going to defeated um i think roe will get a statue wow, outside huge. of new convo <laughs> huge um, <win> virginia <laughs> no i think yeah kind of like what you said the top half in the caa team top third would be ideal mm-hmm. um i think roe's seat if he i think if he has another bad season another bad conference season and another first round exit or not another he's only had one and just another yeah bad conference season i think his seat does get hot and i think Born understand. Um, I do understand how they don't really want to have a new coach with this senior class um, next season, yeah. welcoming in new convo. But I also think at the same time, if you're just not getting results, it's time to move on. But that's also me. Um, that's my own personal kind of desire. But I do think this team will be at least a top half team in the CAA. And I think they'll be able to – really any team in the CAA basketball because it's not a good conference can beat anyone on any night. But I think JMU is actually a good enough team to kind of back that up and hopefully win I, – I think they could win a tournament game. Who knows? Sweet 16, Elite 8, Final Four. I'm not saying it ends <laughs> there, but I, I really think in the cards, it, the, the national championships coming to come back to the state of Virginia. Um <laughs> Stop this madness. <laughs> I, I am interested. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I think they'll win a tournament game and then just keep going and go. No, I mean, it's going to be like the Energizer Bunny to see. I think it's. I don't want to. I think they probably need at least a CA semifinal in one of the next two seasons. Um, yeah. At the very least. And I. It's hard because. I actually, I was, you know, I, I was a pretty big road critic last year and maybe even the year before. Yeah, we both were. Uh, but actually, I kind of like what he's doing with the team. I kind of like that he added new coaches who are, honestly, I think he probably might think they're better coaches than he is. Like, I think he's I hope so. pretty, pretty open about his coaching ability, but he also knows he's a good recruiter who understands the game of basketball pretty well. And I he think is. he's got, Man. he's got some, a lot of potential they're also not paying him like anything. Like he's paid not that that much in comparison with CA teams, which makes it hard to really ask him to do anything crazy if you're not going to, you know, ball out for a coach. So I think that his personality is great. I think that his recruiting is really good. So I think there's a ton of potential there. But they need desperately JMU to have this program stop lagging behind the other ones. You've got football that's constantly contending for conference championships and making deep postseason runs. And they bring really the whole JMU community together. They come out to games. They get excited about playoff seating. They're talking about all this stuff. You look at all the chatter uh, around uh, JMU football. It's constant. I think there might have been more chatter about JMU football's seating than there was about the men's team winning the season opener. Yeah, like the men's basketball team winning the season opener. And that's something that I think they really need to change. Because you look at even like – 
softball, and I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's great that softball gets all the buzz that it does in women's soccer and men's soccer. But when your men's soccer team is generating as much, if not more buzz than one of your revenue producing sports where you've just built this, you're building this massively expensive arena, that is a tremendous problem. Yeah. And I mean, so at, at some point they need to fix that. Yeah, and if you just look at our own tweets on Jamie Sports News, like, so last night you tweeted the highlight reel of Jamie winning. That had 27 likes. But a tweet about JMU Squirrel had 120 likes. And just like when softball was in the regional against Michigan, we had one of our most interacted with tweets when – the announcers said something stupid about Megan Good. I think <laughs> right. that got us like 200 likes. Like, you can see it firsthand on, on, our, on our Twitter, just how men's basketball really doesn't generate a lot of stuff. And they have the, they're going to have the facilities in a year. They have the financial backing in terms of outside of coach, in terms of everything like that. To be a top contender CAA, to be a solid mid-major program, Right. I think that's that's got to be the goal. And, it, and it's important. You think that, you know, I don't know, there's just it's it's disappointing. And the one thing I was I almost forgot about that I did want to talk about was the attendance. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, yep. I was I mean, it's just disappointing when you've got a season opener. I know it's a weeknight, but it was a doubleheader with the women's team first. It's at 730 tip. They listed through 3083 people in attendance. Uh, I think they might have counted some seats for that. I don't know that it was really 3000, but it's, it's just disappointing because it's a building that certainly fits a lot more than that. And you see so many empty seats during these men's games. And I get some of it is like when the games occur, but even conference games. And I don't know. I mean, you just, you want both basketball programs and your football program. Those are the core programs you really want to have success in. Uh, The women's team's been fantastic. Football team's great. And you look at the Olympic sports, just incredible. This men's basketball team, I think they've got the potential. I think Rose got the potential to, to lead them there, but they need to start winning. They need to start drawing crowds. You can't open this new arena and have a team that's like had five straight, or I guess, what is it, three straight losing seasons right now? Like Since a winning 2016. Yeah, so they got to start winning. Obviously, they started off with that, but I don't know. I think there's the sense of urgency, I think, is heightening within this program. Yeah, and I think that's why Rose is going to get hotter and hotter with every loss that's going to come this season. Kind of like what you said, and you've brought up some good points about not necessarily moving on after moving on from him after this season because that strong core group is all going to be seniors next year. They don't want to bring in a new coach to open up new convo, but I think his days, if he doesn't start winning, are numbered, and I'm going to be very critical of him this season um, just as a forewarning. I also think he's got a tremendous opportunity if they do, let's say they win 20 plus games this year and maybe even make the NCAA tournament. I think this program could very quickly flip the switch in terms of fan engagement. Oh, 100. This, I'd probably, yeah, probably last note on men's basketball before we jump into women's basketball. Yeah. This JMU nation, JMU students are, are chomping at the bit to become a basketball school, it seems like. Like, they love football, but in the winter, there's nothing to do, so why not go inside? But the team just isn't good enough to warrant them leaving their dorms and leaving their apartments to go to these games. But if they become good, all of a sudden, I think they're going to have a crazy student section, 
and it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. They they want this team to be good. The students want this team to get their support, but they have to earn it. And if this is a somewhat decent team, the conference championship this year is in Washington, D.C., and Jamie fans will 100% oh, yeah. show out if there's an opportunity for this team to win a conference title. Yeah, they're going to so, be a first-round exit. No one's going to travel. But if there's talk, they might make it to the semifinal finals in the CA tournament. I guarantee you, JMU Nation, because there's such a large contingent in Nova, will just come out to the games. It's exciting. I think there's a lot of potential there. Obviously, we're pumping the brakes a little bit, but they have chances this year. They've got road games, like we said, at Mason, at Old Dominion, at Radford. If they're able to win some of those going into conference play, they can start the buzz a little bit. The, the other issue is JMU might legitimately play football until the Dukes are like four or five conference games in um, basketball-wise. So it, it'll be certainly hard to draw too much attention if – the football team keeps winning just because, you know, it's kind of a football-crazed campus at the moment. Yeah, 100%. That leads us into women's basketball. Big-time win last night. I kind of have a hot take for you. Go. Oh, you want to just jump off right on Yeah, it? just do the, hot, do, <laughs> do the hot takes. I think Coach O's seat's kind of warming up a little bit. That's <laughs> – no. <laughs> I think Is this a real take? It's, it's half-hearted real. You know, one of those like ones behind it that you're like, I just want to say this. So if it ends up being a real thing, Um, (laughs) the only reason I say this is because they've had a little bit of struggles in the CA tournament. Um, I don't think they've won it with him. Correct. That's correct. And I just think that's the only reason why, but we've seen the support born gives grow. So I don't think, I think coach O is going to be a JMU lifer, which is very good. I, 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 you made me just start this right off with some Coach O slander. <laughs> I love Coach O. I think he's the coach for it. But <laughs> backtracking really quick. Yeah, I am positive. because of your reaction to it. Made me feel so dumb. Because <laughs> I now realize how stupid of a hot take it is. Well, he has like some take... CA tournament problems, though. No, I do think it's a storyline. I do think it's a storyline that they haven't been able to finish the deal in the conference it's tournament like, this uh, year. It's like Tony Bennett. Yeah, so maybe so is he going to win it this year? Is that what you're saying? No, I don't know. It took Tony a really long time to finally win a national championship and losing to a 16 seed. Maybe last year's loss to Drexel was their version of losing to a 16 seed, though. Well, there you go. Well, I think that <laughs> what they've done in the WNIT is almost as important for the program. Like, I don't, I don't think they are born necessarily punishes like deep WNIT runs. I think he probably considers those yeah, almost as good as NCAA tournament stuff. So I think that really helped last year and ended um, – the conference tournament obviously ended poorly, but then they were able to make a run and beat Virginia Tech and Kenny Brooks and all that stuff. So I think that's that's really valuable. And this year's team is loaded. Like I think there's a legitimate chance they make the tournament even if they don't win the conference tournament. Yeah, tell me about I, this new freshman. Kiki Jefferson is legit. So she came to JMU from uh-huh. the Pennsylvania area, I believe uh-huh. I'm from the Lancaster area. And she is just absolutely insane. So she's one inch shorter than Kayla Cooper Williams, but she basically plays like Maya Smalls. So she's the height of a center who plays like a guard. And she scored 17 points in her collegiate debut against Longwood. She was very solid all around. Played good defense, 5 for 10 from the floor, 9 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, which led the team. She's just so good. 
on both ends that I think she has a chance to be <laughs> I think she's got a chance to go down as one of the best players in the history of the program. Whoa, 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 that great. And here's here's why. Because I feel fans, when they look at players and they try to separate JMU players, one of the things they do consider is like how successful the teams were. And I think she benefits a ton from her freshman season being with this loaded squad that's probably going to make the NCAA tournament maybe even win a game or two. I think that helps her a lot because she's going to do a lot of good things on both ends. So her stats will be solid. She'll be on a winning team. And then as the seniors leave and she becomes the player, I think she might have three consecutive seasons averaging at least 20 points a game. She could be close to a 2010 player. She's that good. Um, So I think you do that for three straight seasons after making the NCAA tournament. I think she'll probably go to the tournament at least a couple times and probably have at least one C player of the year honor to her name. Yeah. I think she has a chance to score an absurd number of points for the program and have a crazy number of rebounds. I think she's, she's going to be in the Kamaya Smalls, Precious Hall, uh, Jazz Guafmi are the recent ones who maybe are in that era, but I think she'll also get up to the, um, to the Don Evans, Don Evans the... range and the, the Tamara Young and, and all that stuff. I think, and Nikki oh, wow. Newman and Kirby, I think she'll be in that, that discussion. I like it. I like that bold prediction. Um, just looking at her stat line. Fantastic. And, I'm excited to see what she does. I think this team is loaded with Kamaya, Lexi, Kayla Cooper-Williams, Madison Green, Jackie Benitez, Kiki Jefferson, um, Devin Merritt. Nikki Oppenheimer is becoming – is what I've heard is a sharpshooter. I mean, she, oh, she yeah. was only two for eight, but she chalked it up eight times. Not afraid to just let I kinda it go. Love it. I kind of love the confidence to fire up. You know who that years. reminds me of? Benitez. She only she played had, seven minutes. Okay, so when I, I saw that, because I was about to bring that up and be like, so Jackie only had seven minutes. I was like, oh, but how many fouls did she have? Zero fouls. So I'm not really I sure. I think Kiki is pushing Jackie out of the, the go-to, and I think... I think she's still going to play. I do, fine. too. There's no way. I just think the game got so out of hand so quickly that, that wonder... Nikki, Jay, and Eleanor got a lot of minutes, like a lot of minutes. Yeah. And that pushed Jackie out and Kiki got a lot of minutes, like a lot of minutes. <laughs> and I, th- I just think the way the game kind of played out, I think coach O likes the veteran leadership of Jackie on the floor. Um, I think Madison might, but then again, who would you play that the one if I don't know. I'm, I think Benitez will be like the six, the six man Kiki will move six. into the starting five and then Jackie will be that six man off the bench. Yes, or they'll start Merritt and have Kiki also come off the bench. But they could do it either yeah. way. Depends on how if they want to be big or not. I think they have a lot of well. Kiki was big. on. Kiki's a inch shorter than Kayla. She is, yeah. So she could certainly play that area. Although she probably has a skill set that's more like a guard. She's got the crazy versatility. It was interesting because uh, Coach O went on the Jamie Sports blog podcast yeah. and talked, and he was like, "The one problem is like." my team's so good. I have to figure out how to get everybody minutes and it's, it's a great problem to have, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how he actually figures out the lineup and, and works to get that going. Cause there's not really anyone on the team who, who doesn't deserve minutes. I mean, it's a, it's a loaded roster with crazy talent. The seniors are good. I think the sophomore class is ridiculously underrated. Is that the class with, would that be Madison green, Eleanor, yeah, Jalen a- and Nikki? Yeah, yeah, it's a really good yeah. class. Um, a lot of talent there. And then they have 
Brianna Tinsley, who is sitting out this year, but she's a transfer guard from Virginia who becomes eligible next year. Then I guess Casey Irvine's also in that sophomore class. Uh, She hasn't played a ton, but some depth at the forward spot. I think that that core next year is going to be really good. You're going to have Madison Green at the one. Um, Maybe you put Oppenheimer at the two and like Eleanor at the three or something like that and get a little creative with where you put Kiki Jefferson. Uh, But it's a, it's a loaded team. I'm interested to see how they do moving forward. I think that I would be very surprised if they don't make the NCAA tournament this year. Here's the wild thing that I'm going to say to another hot take. So we mentioned how Kiki can go down in the likes of Kamaya, P. Hall, and Gwathme. I think yeah. Madison Green has the potential to do that. She won't be best pro. Like we, I don't think she'd get to the Don Evans, Tamara Young, Nikki Newman mm-hmm. stage. Like we think Kiki can, but I think Madison can go down as the, one of a very solid player of this era. She has kind of the peskiness of Logan Reynolds, but the shooting ability of not Logan Reynolds. Um, yeah, she's a really good shooter. So I think, I think, and she kind of benefits from the fact of learning under Logan for a year, playing then with Kamaya for a year as the full-time starter, and then the team kind of almost becomes her own for two years with Kiki Jefferson there with her and with that solid class. But her being the one, she'll kind of be almost like the quarterback of the team. And I think we'll look back on this era as going from P. Hall to Kamaya Smalls to Madison Green. Yeah, I think Madison's going to have a really solid year this year. And then, like you were saying, I think her junior and senior seasons, when she's sort of given the keys and gets a lot more minutes and is really asked to do more, I think she's going to be an absolute stud for this team. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think the JMU fans should be very excited about oh, this yeah. team because they are loaded. And they also bring in Maryland, St. John's, Liberty to the convocation Liberty, center. The Liberty, Maryland Liberty, game's going to be awesome. Liberty. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the Maryland one is huge, though, and that's a that's a fun one because they've got a doubleheader again. But this time, the men open up with Shenandoah, and then um, the women's team sort of is the nightcap with Maryland. That's going to be a fun game. The CAA is going to be a they're going to route the CAA. I don't think there's yeah. meant much more we can talk about with women's basketball, though. I mean, this team's going to be really yeah. good. They showed that last night. Um, Kamai is going to be fantastic. You know, like this team is really, really, really good. They're probably they're going to finish the season at probably one of the best mid-major programs in the country. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's funny we had more with the men just because there's, there's so many, many things uncert- to question. Right. There's really not a lot to question here. So I think as the season goes on, we're going to really dive into women's basketball, especially the non-conference, just because the team is going to absolutely destroy some Yeah, groups. and there's going to be that one weird loss that will be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and then <laughs> right. we'll die. What does this mean? And then, it, and then nothing. <laughs> Which is what we do with, like, volleyball all the time. We're like, what does this mean? And then we're like, oh, it, it meant literally nothing. <laughs> huh, good times. So there's no injuries like last season. It's terrible. Yeah, because I think they would have won the CA title if they had oh, they would have they would have steamrolled everyone. But what Kamaya goes down, Lexi goes down, Madison Green that was very unfortunate, too, right? Or my yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what? That was, it was really insane. Your two best starters, your best player off the bench that would have come in for Lexi or Kamaya is hurt. Logan was hurt for a little bit of last season. Man, that was a crazy season. But yeah, they're they're really good. Um, really good yeah so you just want to move into the other sports now 
Yeah, let's do a quick okay, hitter. quick hitter volleyball. Hit it, hit me. It's spike it, spike it. Fifteen and seven, nine and three in conference. They're playing well. Conference tournament is coming up, but it's not until November twenty second. So they <laughs> they have four <laughs> matches left, and then they'll go to the conference tournament. Towson is the conference favorite, but the Dukes are playing very well. Um, yeah. Oh, you had your hot take last week that Jamie would beat Towson in straight sets. They lost that match. Did they lose in straight so, sets? Three. Okay, one. then I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, they've got four left. They're doing well. All right. Field hockey. CA awards came this out. Is you. Rachel Yeager was second team. Uh, Angi Mali was second team. Miranda Rigg first team. Surprise there. Caroline Cahill second team rookie team. And Didi Ruminjinsi is on the rookie team. Congrats to them. And looking at their schedule, they snuck in. They're eight and ten overall, yes. three and three in conference. I'm pretty sure they literally snuck into the CAA championships. Um, and they kick off the postseason tomorrow at one p.m. against number eleven Delaware. They just lost to Delaware one zero on the third. So five days in between. I think the Dukes have a shot. Losing one zero is pretty big for them, um, in a good way. Good big form in a good way and i think they'll have a shot coming up on friday against number 11 delaware yeah men's soccer ferial player of the year that is huge for him. <laughs> correct <laughs> tremendous honor there is no surprise as he scores basically all of jamie's goals i think over they are they're the two seed i believe in this conference tournament that is coming up so they'll play the winner of Hofstra, Delaware on Sunday. And then there's actually a week off in between the, um, the semis That's and the so championship. Weird. So if they happen, same with women's soccer. So, so if they happen to win, then we will have next podcast to sort of preview the finals. We might bring on Noah again for that. That's a good idea. Yeah, I just thought of that right now. So Noah, if you're listening, if you made it this far into the podcast, you will be getting <laughs> You're probably alone. <laughs> But congratulations. Uh, okay. Women's soccer. Boy, do they know drama and do they know it well. Beat UNCW 3-2 to kick things off in the quarters. Beat the number two ranked Delaware Blue Hens, the fighting Danny Ruckos, in the CAA semis 3-2 in OT. I'm pretty sure they battled back from a 2-0 deficit in that one to win that one 3-2. And now there is a championship rematch of last year's Hofstra JMU matchup big time wins for them we said it all season that we thought this team could kind of throw together a tournament run and just take getting hot at the right time and look at what they're doing big time stuff for them um i don't think they've released their awards just yet but oh no yes they did a did they announce them a long time ago i don't know I'm trying to. I don't think JMU <laughs> didn't win any uh, of the years. I don't think. Um, oh, you know they released them like a week ago. I feel like I totally I did too, but I remember seeing the graphics. But yeah, so women's soccer—they're on a really solid postseason run. They finished the year out kind of uh, not limping, but went one and two in their last three. But now rattled off two big time wins in the CAA tournament. Set up for a rematch in the championship game against Hofstra. Going to be a big one. I was very surprised. I was very surprised on the first one. 
Yeah. Good for them. Good for those them. first two is impressive. Yeah, really good for them. And if they do get it done, they would have went through the third seed, the second seed, and the in the top seed to win it. So going to be a big match Saturday. And uh, good for them that they have, you know, six days to prep. I think that definitely helps them yeah. create a game plan that they'll like. I think that helps them more than it helps Hofstra. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because Hofstra, you know, I think they'd, they'd love to just play it because they're better. the top team in the conference. Anytime you have a chance, yeah. <laughs> that's one way to say it. <laughs> they're just better. So <laughs> when you've got some time to prep, you can even the playing yeah. field a bit for sure. Um, anything happen in those other sports? Golf, cross country, track, field? I think swimming's 5-0, and but I don't know if there's anything else other than that. And oh, yeah, they just had their basketball. Pod so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're pretty good. I mean, our swim and dive team's pretty darn good. Yeah, 5-0. and Yes, they are. Okay. Um, we went through the Olympic sports pretty quickly. If you have any problems with that, that let us know. Um, you can let us know by these things. Tweeting at us at JMU Sports News. Um, looking us up on www.jmusportsnews.com. You can just comment on one of our posts saying, wow, great content, guys. Didn't like how you went right through Olympic sports, but I doubt you made it this far. Um, yeah. <laughs> It was a long one. This was a really long one, but we had a lot to get through, and our football rant kind of went on. Whenever we want to go short on football, we always end up going. We can't go short on football. It'll be middle of the off season. We'll be like, okay, we'll just touch on football, and then we're like, big recruit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's tough. It's tough. I'm so excited for the football pods coming up. It's gonna. It's gonna get so good. I hate the bye week because it just. There's nothing to talk about. I know, and then there's a good chance there's gonna be another bye week. Yeah. But that's a fun one because that's playoffs. That is playoffs, and then we're getting into it. We're getting into the meat of the schedule. We got the boys going. <laughs> it's cold. It's dark. It's perfect. And the, exactly, they're competing for a championship. So, <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I also I need them to keep doing this and get some home playoff games because I have like a gap when UVA doesn't have a lot of sports, so I can be making some Harrisonburg trips. Getting up there, watch some football. <laughs> I hate that voice so, so much. <laughs> um, so we'll see. What I, I want to try and get that. I want to if uh, I, I want to if JMU and Weber State end up playing in the semis. I want to get down there to watch that. If that happens, I will get a tattoo. <laughs> what you? Oh, what was the thing you say? Oh no! What did you say? Oh, I was like, if they, if they, oh, they beat UVA. If they beat UVA, I said I get like a Lewis tattoo on my chest. Well, to make Bennett uh, hold him to that, um, you can go to Twitter, like I said, our website, or type in JMU Sports <laughs> News on the Facebook search bar, and you can like us there. Um, be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcast. Leave us five stars and a rating. Um, make people think that we're the best JMU podcast there is, even though you have Greg Medea's The Walkthrough and you have Jamie Sports Blog. That honestly might be better than us. <laughs> we're conceited. Yeah, realistically, we're the third best in this in this market, but that's okay. But we're conceited and we think we're the best. Um, mm. Yeah, so for Bennett Conley, my name is Jack Fitzpatrick. Have a wonderful rest of your Friday. This is a rare Friday release, and um, see ya.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.